What do you do when you don't know what to do? Have you ever been in that situation? And I'm not speaking politically or anything at all right there. But what do you do when you don't know what to do? It was so easy when I was a, first entered the ministry for me because I knew exactly what to do. And the reason I knew exactly what to do is because I didn't know anything. And I just knew nothing. And, and so I didn't really have to battle it out for decisions because I knew very little. And that was the only thing I had to decide on, that very little amount. Now, as I've grown older in the ministry and been in the ministry now, whatever, 17, 16, 17 years, it's harder because I know more about ministry now. I know a lot more about ministry. There's a lot more decisions to make. When I was a young basketball coach at 22, I knew everything. And decisions were so easy because I knew about two offenses and about two defenses. And that's all I knew. And so I, I thought I knew it all. And so the decisions weren't hard. But as I grew and learned about the game and learned there was so much about the game, I didn't know what to do because there was so much that I had learned and so many decisions to be able to choose from. I, I don't know if you have decisions in your life where you really don't know what to do. You may be cursed with the skill of being able to see pros and cons. You may be cursed with the ability to be able to be objective and be able to see both sides of the issue. And as you look at both sides of the issue, you see rights and wrongs and goods and bads and, and on both sides of that issue. And you have to think, you know, what is it? What do I do when I don't know what to do? You may have a, uh, you may have a, a job situation, whether it's taking a new job or a lack of a job or, or not getting uh, enough interviews and trying to find a job. What is it when you don't, what do you do when you don't know what to do? You may have a family situation that, I mean, you're just, I mean, you're, you're, you're humble enough to say, admit, I have no clue what to do in this. I've, I've, I've tried this, I've tried that. This won't work, that won't work. I do not know what to do. I don't know where to turn. I can remember my very first, when I was coming out of seminary and I had to choose between three different ministry options, three different places to go plant a church. One in Orlando, one in Georgia, and one in Illinois. And I said, Lord, you just got to give me a... Um, a burning bush. You've got to give me handwriting on the wall. Church planning is so hard, and I've got to know when it gets so hard. I've got to know that I know that I know that you call me to this place, and God, I'm really depending on you to give me that. And I prayed, and if you look at my prayer journals through, through those months, I was just begging God to, to, to speak to me in a clear way so I can definitely say yes to wherever it was. And it came down to decision time, which was the 1st of May for me. And I didn't know. What do you do? What do you do when you don't know what to do? What do you do when you beg God to give you clear direction? And for whatever reason, maybe it's a lack of my hearing, but for whatever reason, you don't have it. And you really don't know what to do. The word that we have this week in our series, Yes, No, Maybe, can help us if we're in that situation. If you have your Bible, please, would you open it to the book of Titus? To the book of Titus. Last week, my staff got on me because I said, turn to your black church Bibles. And I didn't realize I said it. 
so I guess you turn to your black church Bibles or your Native American Indian Bibles that are read over there or something. I don't know. I don't know what to call these. Turn to your Bibles that are black, I guess, or your Bibles that are red or the Bible you brought with you. The book of Titus is toward the end of the New Testament. In the, church, in the Bibles that are black, it's page 835. In the Bibles that are red, it's page 1856, I believe. Titus chapter 2 says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. We've talked about saying no to ungodliness. Message is online if you want to be able to hear that. We've talked about saying no to worldly passions, things that are common and earthy, things that are just human about us, things that are not spiritual. We've talked about being self-controlled, which literally means to have a saved mind, that battle was in your mind, that God wants to save your soul, yes, but he wants to save your mind until you think differently. Last week we went to the disputable matters and jumped to the maybes of Scripture and talked to just a few of We could have talked longer about that. But today we go to the word upright. The grace of God teaches us to say no to some things and teaches us to say yes to a self-controlled, upright, and godly life. What does this word upright mean? It may be translated righteous. It could be translated just. It could be translated a life of integrity. Basically, the word upright simply means to do what's fair. Five times this word is only used in the New Testament. It means to do what is fair. It means to do what is just. It means to give someone else his due in a just, fair, moral sense. It's not really a religious word too much. It just means to do what's fair. Now, next week, godly, that's a religious word. That's a spiritual word. This word simply means to do what's right, to do what's just, to do what's fair. And you don't have to be a Christian, really, to do what's right. Everyone has a conscience. And and, and this upright word that is defined in this translation is simply doing what's fair. It's simply doing what's just. It's simply doing what's right. What do you do when you don't know what to do? You do what you think is right, and you trust God with the consequences. What do you do when you don't know what to do? You do what you think is right, and you trust God with the consequences. In May of 1999, I had to call this guy and and tell him whether I was going to take the offer or tell this other guy and take that offer. And, and I did not have the burning bush. And, and what did I do? I, I, I prayed to God and said, God, I don't know what to do. I don't have direction. It, it seems like as I weigh the pros and cons in my humanness, it seems like you're directing me this way. God, if this is not the way you're directing me, you need to shut down that door because it seems like in my mind that seems to be the best choice. I did what I thought was right. I used the brain God gave me, and I did what I thought was very best, ways and pros and cons, even though I didn't have a lightning bolt out of heaven. I did what was right, and trust God with the consequences of that. 
I did what was right and trusted God to do what was best. I did what was right and left the rest up to God. Is there a situation that you have in your life you're kind of clueless? You don't know what to do. I find those situations every day. I'm out, I stood in front of you, um, what, two years ago? What, no, a little, little less than that. On the Sunday before you voted on me and said, hey, I, there's a whole lot I don't know about pastoring a church. I, I'm not the world's greatest pastor. I, I'm, I'm not the living in when it comes to There's a whole lot I don't know what to do. I'm just silly enough to think God has called me to this and he'll help me. And there's a whole lot of things on an everyday basis that I just, I don't know what to do. So I, I, I try to do what is right. And I trust God with the consequences. There's so many times that some of you will come into me, and I probably shouldn't tell you this because you won't come into me anymore. But there's so many times that some of you come into me for marital counseling or with problems in your life. And, and I'll think like, who in the world am I that these people would be asking me about this? And I sit there and I listen to you. You know what I, you know what I do when I'm listening to you? You know what I'm doing? I'm listening with one ear, and I'm, but I'm praying too. I say, God, give me something. Something intelligent to say with you. I, this problem is so... I don't know how to tell these people to deal with that problem. I don't know if I know how to deal with that problem in my life. And I try to be able to tell you what I think is right, both from a scriptural standpoint and just from a human standpoint, and trust God then with the consequences. To be able to trust God to do what's best. There's lots of biblical examples of that. If you'd like to turn with me to Acts chapter 16, I think we have a marvelous example of when the church was started and Paul was going on his second missionary journey. Acts chapter 16, verse 6, and I think we have a slide up here of that as well. I'm not going to read it all, but I'm going to basically, what I'm going to tell you is, Paul was on his second missionary journey. He left for Jerusalem, and he was heading west, and he said he got to this one point, and he said he wanted to go to, however you pronounce that word, Phygeria and Galatia, but he was kept from the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. So he wanted to go into one place, but it was blocked. For whatever reason, kept by the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? I really don't know what that could have meant. It, me it could have meant a, a feeling that Paul had. It could have meant literally he wasn't allowed to be able to go. I don't know what that meant. But he wanted to go one place and he was kept. Next slide. And then he wanted to go another place. He wanted, they tried, they tried, he tried to enter another place. Which was south of the place that they originally wanted to go. And they were blocked from going there too. Well, what do you do? I wanted to go north. I'm blocked. I wanted to go south. I'm blocked. I've come back here from Jerusalem. I guess there's no sense in turning back. The scripture said he just continued going. I mean, I know I'm called to ministry. I know that God has put a call in my life to minister. I couldn't minister here. I couldn't go. I wanted to go there. I tried to go there. The scripture says, couldn't go there. Well, I just keep on going. To, I find a place that I can be able to minister. I don't turn back. I don't cower back and say, I give up. I just keep on going. And that's what the scripture says. So they, they, they continued to go west. Wanted to go north, wanted to go south, couldn't go, continued to go west. And they passed by Messiah and went down to Troas. Next slide. During the night, 
He just kept on going. He didn't go back. He just kept on going. He just said what was right. And during the night, God spoke to him and gave what we know as the Macedonian call and said, go to Macedonia. And so he goes to Macedonia. And when he arrives in Macedonia, the nearest city was a city called Philippi. A city called Philippi. And, and, and he got into Philippi, and if you have your Bibles there, if you got into Philippi, it's on verse 13. What do you do when you start a church? I mean, how do you, you just arrive in a city. You've never been to that city before. I didn't really want to go here. I tried to go north. I tried to go south. But I mean, what do I do now, God? What, I, what do I do? I don't know anybody in this town. What do I do? On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. What do you do on the Sabbath? I don't, I don't know what to do, God. I'm not even sure I know want to be here, but it's a Sabbath. And I guess I go to church. I do what's right. I'm not sure I know where to go. I don't even know why I'm here. It's a Sabbath. What do you do? It's the right thing to do. Let's go find some worshipers and meet with them. And look what happened. He met somebody named Lydia. Bible said that, that God opened her heart to hear the word. Bible says that she was a dealer in purple, which probably meant she was a wealthy lady. And she offered Paul and his companions to be able to stay with her. And Bible scholars think it was this wealthy lady, Lydia, that probably financed his ministry in Philippi, which we started a church, and we now have the book of Philippians. What do you do when you don't know what to do? Well, it's, it's the Sabbath day. I guess I'll go to church. And look what God did. Do what's right and trust God with the consequences. I wanted to go to Bithynia. I wanted to go to Phygeria. The door was locked. I wasn't even planning to go to Philippi, but here I am. It's a Sabbath. Do the right thing and trust God. And what did God do? There happened to be a wealthy lady down there who God opened her heart, and she may have financed his whole ministry in Philippi. The scripture continues. If you just want to glance down, Paul, gets, Paul and Silas get thrown in jail. And the scripture continues that says on verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were in jail, and you know the scripture, they were praying and singing, and a great earthquake came. So Paul didn't really want to come to Philippi. He tried to go to Bithynia and Phygeria, and, and now he's sitting in jail. Well, what, God, what are you doing? I didn't want to go here to begin with, and now you've thrown me in jail. And the only thing I did was cast a demon out of this one girl, and I get thrown in jail for that. What are you, what are you doing, God? So what do I do now? sit in jail. Well, I do what's right, I guess. He's a good God even when I'm in jail. He's a good God even when I'm in chains. He's a good God even why I don't know why I'm here. He's a good God even when this thing hasn't planned the way I thought it was going to. Hadn't turned out the way I thought it was going to turn out. He's a good God. And the Bible says Paul and Silas, they started praying and singing and praising God at midnight. What do you do when you don't know what to do? You do what's right, and you trust God with the consequences. You do what's right, and you trust God 
to do what's best. Now, I don't know what situation that you have in your life. I don't know what situation you have in your family. I don't know what situation you have in work. That's really you're kind of scratching your head about. I have no clue. You come to me, ask me what it's supposed to do about that. I, I may or may not have any intelligent wisdom to be able to give you. I may or may not have biblical wisdom to be able to give you. But the thing it seems like we're supposed to do is whatever you think in your prayers, in your discernment, in your thinking, you do what's right. You do what's right. And you trust God with the consequences. You trust God with the consequences from that. Oh, Mark, you better not say that because if you go say that, then she'll say this and he'll say that. But it's the right thing to say it. And I know there probably are going to be consequences. Friends of ours have difficulties with in-laws. And really through the course of several years, they've asked our advice on how to deal with these in-laws that just won't speak to them and get mad at them for little things and and finally come to the point where we feel like we really kind of need to have an honest, honest conversation about this in-law behavior. And, and I said to her, I think it's time that for that conversation. But you've got to be able to trust God if those consequences aren't exactly what you want to come out. You realize they could fly off the handle as they have in the past. But it was still the right thing to do, to stand for your, up for yourself, not let your grandchildren to be mistreated. And trust God with what those consequences are. Those consequences may always not be good. Can you find 2 Kings? Can you go back in your Bibles and you'll see Chronicles? You'll see First and Second Chronicles, First and Second Samuel, and in between those two are First and Second Kings. In chapter 18 of 2 Kings, this amazing passage of Scripture. Do what's right and trust God with the consequences. God may work those consequences out and smooth those consequences out for you, or maybe um, they're not going to be good, but you just got to trust God with those consequences. Look at this amazing passage of Scripture. 2 Kings 18, page 266 in this Bible. Hezekiah, son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old when he became king. First of all, he was the son of Ahaz. You turn back a few pages and it says Ahaz did not do what was right in the eyes of God. He was not a, a king that was uh, pleasing to God. He did not burn down the idols. He did, he, he did not do uh, the things that God wanted him to do. So this, his dad didn't do well. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother's name was Abijah, daughter of Zechariah. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, speaking of Hezekiah, just as his father David. Now, Father David doesn't mean Father David. It means great, 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 great father. He removed the high places, smashed the sacred stones, and cut down the ash poles 
Those were all used in pagan idol worship. Asherah pole would be, would be similar to what we understand today as a totem pole. He cut down this place of idol worship that his dad didn't. He broke into pieces. Listen to this. He broke into pieces the bronze snake Moses had made. Remember that story? God told Moses to make a snake in the shape of bronze and lift it up, and people would look at it, and they'd be healed from their disease. And he broke that? For up to that time, the Israelites had been burning incense to it. They had started worshiping it, holding it up as an idol. He did what was right. Can you imagine the grief he got for that? That snake had been around for 400 years. God told Moses to make that snake. My great, 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 great grandfather was healed when he looked at that snake. Can you imagine the grief he got just because he was going against his dad? His dad didn't do any of this stuff. Your dad wouldn't be liking what you're doing right now. Hezekiah did what was right. And he trusted God with the consequences. And he had a long and successful reign. But I imagine those immediate consequences were pretty tough for him. People were saying, what in the world are you doing? That's a good snake over there, man. God told Moses to make that snake. That snake probably had a little plaque on it that said donated by somebody on there or something. You know? <laughs> Did what was right because that snake, that thing that one time was a good thing had turned into something no longer good and they were worshiping that snake, burning incense to it. What do you do when you don't know what to do? You do what's right and you just... Trust God with the consequences, whether those consequences would be good. Lydia financed Paul's church, or whether those consequences that I'm reading between the lines here that Hezekiah may have had to face, at least initially, that were difficult. This word has a real relational quality to it as well. It's doing what's good in relation to someone else. It's doing good in relationship to other people. I have one more scripture. Would you turn to Matthew chapter 1? This is, a, this is a Christmas passage. This is an example of a man who didn't know what to do. Now, the scripture doesn't say that, but I'm just in his humanness and trying to put myself in Joseph's place when the Virgin Mary told him that she was pregnant through the Holy Spirit Man, that's a guy who didn't know what to do. He loved this little girl, but she's concocted this story? She's obviously gone out on me. Matthew chapter 1. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. 19, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, which told him he needed to put her away. 
yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. Oh, he wanted to do what was right, but he wanted to do it in a way that relationally to her did not put her to public disgrace. See, doing what is right is important, but we must do what is right in the right way. He could have been his pharisaical self and impressed his pharisaical friends, and he could have put her away and shown everybody how pious and religious he was. But in his love for this little girl, he does what he's supposed to do. He does what's right, but he does it in the right way. He didn't want to put her to public disgrace, so he decided to put her away privately. It seems like Can you do the right thing in the wrong way? Can you do the right thing for the wrong reason? Can you do the right thing with the wrong attitude? The part of this word that is a relationship word that talks about being fair and just in our relationship with other people demands that we do the right thing with the right attitude, with the right spirit, with the right way. So what did Joseph decide to do here? He had in mind to divorce her quietly. Not to bring humiliation to her. Not to be a Pharisee about it. Not to show everybody how spiritual he was and I'm doing what it says in the book of Leviticus. Look at me. Look at me. He did the right thing. He did the right thing. But did it in the right way. Grace and truth. Truth. But grace. And as he considered this, verse 20. I don't know, I don't know about you guys, but I fly off the handle sometimes and do things really quickly maybe without praying or thinking or asking advice. But after, he cons- but after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. He didn't act rashly. He pondered it. He threw it around in his own mind. I- I'm-, I'm assuming he had to pray about it. Gave God time to work on him. Came to the altar. <laughs> he considered it and gave God time to say, okay, here's the deal, Joseph. This word is not even this uprightness that we're supposed to say yes to. It's not even a real religious word. It's just like a moral word. It's just like a a fairness. It's, it's treating, giving someone what they're due. It's just. And you don't have to be a Christian to be honest, to be fair. But the Bible says the grace of God teaches us to be those kind of people. And in particularly in our relationship with other people. What do you do when you don't know what to do? The grace of God teaches us to do what's right. Now, let's be honest. 
we may disagree on what's right, right? But being fully convinced in my own mind, as we talked last week, being fully convinced in my own mind, with as pure heart as I can possibly have by the grace of God, I think it's the right, the right thing to do. It may or may not be the easy thing for me to do. It may or not be the thing that I even want to do, but I've got to do the right thing here and trust God with the consequences. I told you the story, and I'll close with this. I told you the story of, you know, when I left our church in Georgia, I told the board that I was going to go interview. Now, that's dumb. In pastor circles. But I just, how is God going to reward me if I snuck off? How is God going to favor me if I snuck off for two or three days to go interview and told them we're going on a little vacation to Ohio or whatever it was? How can God honor me? Well, Mark, if you tell them and you don't take it, they're going to always wonder if you're really going to stay there and they're always going to have doubts about you. I'll trust God with the consequences. I'll trust God with that. And yes, I know people. And that may be a consequence. But I just feel like I've got to do what is right. Say yes to uprightness. Say yes to doing what is right. Um, did God say something to you this morning about someone or something or some situation in your life? What do you do when you don't know what to do? Do what's right and trust God with the consequences. Do what's right with the right attitude, with the right spirit, with the right motive. And I'm just silly enough to think God's favor will be on us. may not save me from difficult consequences, but his hand will be with me. Let's pray. Father, I think everyone in here is, can weigh out the differences between some right and doing something wrong and doing something that just is easy or just may be convenient. I believe we all have a conscience from you that allows us to know the difference many times now father sometimes we don't have the will to do the right thing and as as christians father we want that will we want that strength that courage whatever it may take help us to balance grace and truth so that we do the right thing for the right reason help us to balance grace and truth so we do the right thing with the right attitude with the right spirit and when we feel that tinge of a haughty spirit being able to rise in our souls, may we do the right thing and talk to you about it and say, take it from us. We don't want it. Now, church family, if, if God has spoken to you about an issue, would you talk to him right now? 
about doing what's right. Father, um, take these words and just use them with a situation we're dealing with or, or, or use them supernaturally uh, six months from now. Bring them to our minds when we're dealing with something we don't know what to do. And we may need just to trust you and do the right thing, no matter whether that seems to be the easy or the expedient, the convenient thing to do. Father, your word is spoken to us again. Apply it now in my life and all of our lives where it needs to be applied. In Jesus' name, amen.